week. Salt is used in our culture primarily as a flavor enhancer. Some of you are using too much of it. I've seen you. (laughs) Practically everything we consume has salt in it. And we also dash some on at the dinner table on top of that. It's not always been the case, though, throughout time that salt was primarily used as a flavor enhancer before the modern day means of refrigeration or supplements added to food to slow down spoilage. Salt was primarily used as a preservative. That's the context that Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter five. If you'd make your way to Matthew chapter five and verse 13, he is speaking about that immediately following the Beatitudes, he introduces, seems to be a little bit of a, of a change of direction, although it's along the same line of that which characterizes a believer. In Matthew chapter 13, he talks a little bit about this idea about being salty in this earthly pilgrimage. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, with what shall it be salted? That is, of of what, uh, how are you going to uh, uh, use, uh, have a preservative? It is therefore, thereafter, good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. We're to be involved in combating spoiling and soiling by the world, by the penetrating effect that we have of salt in this world, the life-changing power of the gospel. That is, as we are salt in this world, we're going to penetrate, much like a salt solution penetrates meat and acts as a preservative. Jesus used the illustration of salt that had also lost its effectiveness. And you'll notice at the end of verse 13, it says that it's only good to be thrown out and to be trampled. That is only used then for uh, on the foot trails, on the path in which they were walking to hold down the weeds. And how it does salt lose its preserving influence? How is it that salt, sodium chloride, would lose its preserving influence? Well, the answer is by being contaminated. By being contaminated with other ingredients in the Dead Sea area. It was known that uh, there were certain areas that the salt was contaminated by minerals, um, gypsum, and maybe, uh, maybe other kind, maybe mercury, maybe lead, other kinds of minerals, so that you couldn't use it as a preservative because of, it would be ineffective. Maybe it would even, even cause poisoning. I remember that when I was in Brazil, uh, speaking of the Tharps, and I went down there a few years after they were there, to lead a missions conference. And we went into uh, one of the cities um, and this was a, this was a, a large city and, they, and there was refrigeration in the city. But in this particular area, <laughs> we went down to a, a market area and uh, there were people all over the place with lots of different kinds of meat rubbing rock salt into a big hunk of, of beef and just rubbing it all over it uh, so that um, it would not be spoiled. Well, Jesus used this illustration And he says that contamination will cause salt to be ineffective. Folks, the world 
is decaying in sin. Uh, Commenting on this particular uh, verse here, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, he says, you are the salt um, uh, of the earth. What does that imply? It clearly implies rottenness in the earth. The reason that the earth needs salt is because it is rotten. That follows. Um, It implies a tendency to pollution and to becoming foul and offensive. That's what the Bible has to say about this world. It is uh, fallen, sinful, and bad. Its tendency is to evil and to war. It is like meat, which has a tendency to putrefy and to become polluted. Believers, on the other hand, are the life of Christ in this world, sprinkling a preserving saltiness all around wherever we go. So I ask you the question. How salty are you? Really, how salty are you? How much are you penetrating the world? And what kind of a difference are you making in your sphere of influence? I really want us to wrestle with that uh, this morning. Since Jesus says in this verse that salt can lose its effectiveness, how does that happen? How does it happen in uh, one of our lives? I invite us to look as as a prime example, an overview of the life of Lot as we consider this principle of being the salt of the earth. If you look at Genesis chapter 19, (coughs) Genesis chapter 19, and I want us to look at an overview of the life of Lot. And now as you're turning to Genesis 19, you remember, you'll remember that Lot in fact, was a redeemed man. Lot was a believer. You don't have to turn to it, but Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 says, and that God, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with the overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot. You see that word just right there? He delivered just, um, just Lot, just Lot, Vic, uh, vexed with the filthy manner of life of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, that is seeing and hearing what they did, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Three times in that text, it describes Lot as one who was righteous. That talks about he's been justified. He's been redeemed. He is a saved person. This is not an unregenerate person who's in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is a true believer. As a matter of fact, by virtue of him being able to be rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah, taking out of the time of destruction indicates that in fact, the people of God escape destruction, uh, that being an illustration, I believe, of the latter days. And Jesus alluded to that in the Gospels. And so (coughs) looking at the life of Lot, I want us to consider this idea of our saltiness. Genesis chapter 19. Let's read the narrative. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night. And wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. And before they laid down, The men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, uh, around both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, 
Where are the men who came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him or behind him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and you do to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed hard against the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot, that is the the angels who came to Lot, and pulled Lot into the house unto them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the cry of them has become great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spoken to his sons-in-law who married his daughters and said, up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked or that was just telling fables unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened uh, Lot saying, arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him outside of the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil overtake me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. In other words, it's not as uh, it's not as um, depraved and habitually given to sin as was Sodom. And he said unto him, see, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape there, for I cannot do anything till thou be there, uh, till thou come there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar. 
and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is old and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him and that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the next day that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. And go thou in and lie with him, and we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. A number of points very briefly I want us to consider about this idea of how salty we are in this day. First of all, Verse one indicates that Lot aligned himself with a depraved culture. If you'll look back at verse one, Lot aligned himself and this was a saved man. And it says right there that Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. That is, he was part of the ruling council. He was part of the board of elders, as it were, in the city of Sodom. A saved person rose to such prominence in the city that he could actually sit down among the fathers of the city and actually make decision. Scripture says, be not deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. First Corinthians 15, 33. Young people, young adults, listen to me. Listen to what the word of God says. Evil company will corrupt your good moral training that you've received and that you know and that you understand from the word of God. Lot was terribly soiled by the company he kept. He lost his saltiness because he was continually being contaminated with the evil of the world. It wasn't that he was in the world that contaminated me, but he became part of the world. He became flavored by that. The world permeated him instead of him permeating his world. And it made all the difference in his life. He aligned himself. He wasn't just located there. He actually uh, took up um, a residence as one of them. It began with Lot as a diminished passion for God and an increased appetite for the things of this world. If you look at chapter 13, very quickly, chapter 13, verses 12 and 13 Chapter 13 of the book of Genesis, verses 12 and 13. And you'll see the beginning of the downfall. In chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched, pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. There is a time, maybe in all of our lives, maybe you're experiencing this right now, where you are tempted to pitch your tent toward Sodom. There's temptation coming at you. Evil is on every side. Uh, There's every kind of and manner of evil and temptation available to you. And you are wondering right now, am I going to pitch my tent toward that direction and allow the world to permeate me and no longer have a salty influence for the things of God. Lot aligned himself. He was more than in the world. He was 
of the world. And our culture is sin sick, just like that culture, uh, ruined lives everywhere. Young people ruining their lives as young teenagers through drugs and perversion and alcohol and gambling and crime and internet porn and ungodly music and rebellion and, and general worldliness. Everywhere we look, everywhere we look, it is becoming unusual to find in our culture a young person who has a winsome personality, who has a cheerful countenance, who has any measure of respect for himself or anyone else. That is becoming unusual, just like in Sodom. Now, how salty are you in our culture? Is it affecting you or are you penetrating the culture? You see, you say, Pastor, why are you ranting and raving at us? We don't live like Lot. He didn't either the first day he arrived. He didn't sit in the gates of the city the first day he got there either. It took a while. It was, it was uh, maybe even imperceptible to some degree, but his heart, was already, his heart was in Sodom long before he ever moved there because he wasn't captured with the presence of God and, with the, and the, the desire to honor and glorify God in his life. He was occupied with what is going to make me comfortable? What is going to make me happy in my life? What is going to feed the flesh? And young people, I'm telling you that you are going to fall like Lot fell if you're not focusing on being mighty in spirit, if you're not becoming a, a Daniel or a Mary or a King Josiah or a John the Baptist because the enemy, the flesh, the world and the devil is stronger than you. You don't have the power to resist in your own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not in yourself. Lot aligned himself with a depraved culture and it cost him dearly. Secondly, if you're taking notes, Lot embraced a deliberate compromise. Lot knew these messengers were from God. That's why in verse two, it says, um, it says, uh, or verse one, he bowed himself, uh, his face toward the ground and he didn't want them to uh, be, he didn't want, basically uh, he didn't want these angels uh, tell, tattling on him. Hey, come on real quick. I don't want to show you the city. I, you know, don't worry about those, uh, you know, that, that guy, be, uh, pay no attention to that man behind the, the curtain, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, let's just come on in here. Let me feed you. And, we'll have, and then as soon as it's daybreak, you all go ahead and, and head on to your next uh, destination. Embarrassed because he knew he had intentionally compromised godly convictions that he had been trained and uh, uh, understood through the life of Abraham and others. Believers compromise godly standards by rationalizing. Oh, it's okay. It's not all that bad. Or everyone else is doing it. Or that's what is available in our culture right now. Well, after all, that's the only movie that's available at this particular time. Or this is the only kind of entertainment that everybody else is doing. And we rationalize. We try to uh, make somehow it sound just right. Is there wisdom in seeing how close you can get to evil without getting burned, I would argue there is not wisdom in that. If you are determined to dance with the devil, you're going to leave smelling like smoke and you're going to be singed because he's happy to ruin your life. What was the key ingredient in the life of Samson or Samuel 
or John the Baptist? What was the key ingredient in their lives in order for them to be mighty in spirit? Young people, what was the key ingredient? They didn't know any more than anyone else. They didn't know. They probably didn't know as much scripture as you know. My guess is they didn't have any more exposure to the things of God than you do today. What was the key ingredient? The key ingredient was they were separated from worldliness. They were separate. They were distinct. Second Corinthians six, verses 17 and 18 say, wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing. Oh, that lot would have had that, uh, that uh, concept, that principle ringing in his heart, touch not the unclean thing and I'll be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord almighty lot deliberately compromised. He knew what Sodom was all about. His heart was already there. He moved in. He, he didn't talk about the holiness of God in to the degree that he actually sat with the leaders of this pagan, wicked culture. Thirdly, what does it mean to be salty? Well, Lot wasn't salty because he followed that deceived conscience, that self-deceit. He talked himself into it and he pursued that and followed that. We see that in verses eight through verse 13. And Jesus said that as the days of Lot were, they would be prevalent when he returns. Luke chapter 17. And our society and this world is heading down that path. Can you, can you imagine, can you just imagine uh, how the rest of the world views this country? Do you know that much of the rest of the world, especially Western Europe and other places, view the United States as somewhat um, puritanical? They think that we're puritanical. What is the big deal with your politician having a mistress in the White House? Duh, why are you, why are you bothered about this, America? Why is this an issue? Well, if they think we are puritanical, if they think we're prudish, what must life really be like in other parts of the world? <clears throat> Consciences which are see, uh, seared, which are Deceived. It's what Isaiah 520 says. We live in the midst of people who call evil good and good evil in our culture. Abortion, pornography, rebellion, perversion is rampant there. Young people, there was a day when gay meant being happy being merry, being cheerful. There was a day when doctors took, took an oath and meant it to preserve life. There used to be a day like that in our culture. Now so-called mercy killing and abortion on demand for whatever reason are so normal we don't even blush as a culture. We're deceived. This culture is deceived and, and that's what the world is, yes. But what type of difference are we making by standing for righteousness and being the salt of the earth, Scripture says, we are to be. Lot offered his own daughters. Lot offered his own daughters to the perverts of the city. You say, well, I would never do that. Well, are there standards? Are there rights and wrongs by which you abide and you follow and you'll not compromise that? You'll not deceive self? No, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Of course not. Any one of us, uh, at any moment, we're going to stumble along the way. But what is the motivating thrust of life? What is the bent of your life? Which direction are you heading? Is it toward being that salty, penetrating influence or allowing the contamination to get into the salt 
rendering it ineffective. Hebrews 11.10 says Abraham looked for a heavenly city. All the while Lot looked for a hellish Sodom. Notice in chapter 13, as I alluded to in verse 12, Lot moved his tent near Sodom. And then in chapter 14 and verse 12, it says he moved into Sodom. And finally, Sodom moved into him. You see the the degeneration? Young people, you see that? You see how that happens? He took a look over there, said it looks good, like to be there. Might be interesting to be over there in Sodom. Think I'll pitch my tent facing that way so I can see all the light, so I can see all the headlines. What's going on in that great and marvelous city? Huh, not quite getting the view, not quite getting my, um, my uh, uh, fascination satisfied to the degree that I need. So I think I'll go ahead and I'll rent an apartment there. I'll go ahead and run with that crowd. I'll t- go to that amusement. I'll partake in that particular type of internet act- activity. And you go and you live there. And then before you know it, all of a sudden right now, Sodom is living in you. And who knows what you'll do? Who knows what I'll do when that happens? How salty are you today, right now in your life? Now, I've lived with this message for many days. I can share it with a measure of conviction Because I've already had to do all kinds of self-evaluation, examination. Where is my influence in life? The issue is not geography. Lot could have lived in Sodom very easily if it would have been God's direction in his life. Just like Jonah had a fruitful ministry in Nineveh, ultimately, when he finally went. It doesn't have to be that Sodom affects you. Joseph thrived in Egypt. Daniel thrived in Babylon. Esther was successful in Persia. The issue is heart attitude. The issue is, Lot, are you in Sodom or is Sodom in you? And that's an issue for all of us to address in our lives today. He offered his two daughters on the altar of perversion. Are you offering yourself on some altar? Are you offering your family members, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your testimony? Are you offering that on some altar? Evaluate that. Who are you behind closed doors? You see, we're able to see all of this because God preserved it in the text of Scripture. But my guess is we could have run right along with Lot and maybe not always picked up on anything particularly different. Unless we would have really gone with him and parked with him and find out, found out who he was. We still may have been tricked or duped by him. But he was living in a deceived way. Christian, do you long to partake of the delicacies of the world? Are you riding the fence, looking over onto the other side, looking over and yielding to the temptation of, of, of moral impurity, of evil music, of, of resisting authority, of godless entertainment and, and all the rest. What you sow, you will reap. And it is a very uh, sober warning. Remember what happened here. Lot is a believer. Righteous Lot, just Lot. His soul was vexed due to the immorality that he partook in which he was involved. Fourthly, Lot experienced defeated credibility. <laughs> His sons-in-law said, 
who are you talking to? Why are you preaching? I mean, his sons-in-law laughed him to scorn. They, they, it says right there in the text, it seemed as if he, if he was just saying something stupid. If he was just mocking the things of God. Oh, watch out, sons-in-law. Uh, uh, judgment coming. It is coming. God's going to rain fire and brimstone. Oh, yeah, good joke. A lot. Yeah, that's really funny. As if you have any standing with us whatsoever. And this is a believer, a redeemed man whose credibility was completely diminished. Dad, husband, living in the world while trying to maintain a testimony of godliness ruins your credibility. It causes disrespect. It causes contempt for the things of God. Who says? God says in 2 Samuel, Nathan the prophet came to David and David had sinned and David professed to be a man after God's own heart, wrote about it. Others testified of it. Uh, Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands, and he's our captain. He's our leader. He's following God. We're going to follow him. And Nathan the prophet said, because of your sin, you've given great occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the Lord. Yes, it makes all the difference in the world how we live, what we believe, how we behave. Credibility is washed away. I've actually asked my own children this, at least on some occasions. I don't know how often. Do you find my Christian testimony to be credible? When they were younger, I had to explain what that meant. Do you find that what I preach and how I live line up? Or do you find glaring errors and inconsistencies? Do you think that I really believe in my heart what I say publicly? I'm thankful to report by his grace and for his glory, they would say it lines up. And I want that to be the case. That must be the case for all of us. How salty are you? Lot lost so much of his saltiness that his, he and his family, verse 16, young people, they had to be physically removed. And while they told him, get out, judgment's coming. He'd already told his sons-in-law, so he must have had some thinking that it was true. It says that while he lingered, Lot, what are you doing? You're a child of God. You're not to be lingering there. While he lingered, the men, that is those angels, laid hold upon his hand. Okay, come on, Lot. You are a mess. We've told you we're going we're to bring judgment. Now come on right now. And God got him out of there with his wives and his daughters. Do you love the things of the world or the things of God? 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For he that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the world is the lust of the, or what it has, it has the phrase, um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Love not the world. Maintain a credible testimony. How? By being that salt of the earth, by making a difference, invading, penetrating. Your sphere of influence. Fifthly, Lot escaped a destroyed city very, very briefly. Verses 24 through 26 says God is serious about sin. He is going to bring judgment. He will judge, but yet he's provided a way of escape in Christ. And those who turn to him in faith, repenting of sin and receiving him are forgiven and have a home in heaven. They are 
delivered from the judgment to come. Young person, teenager, Christian, man, this world will burn up one day. There's only a few years left. Senior adult, you'll only have a little while before you're leaving. You're either leaving through death's door or you're leaving through his return. Don't become enchanted by the world's delights. Instead, follow the example and the testimony of Jim Elliott. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. God wasn't pleased with the level of saltiness in that family. And Lot's wife was an example of that. Finally, Lot suffered a despicable conclusion. Can it get any worse? Can it get any worse for this fellow believer, this brother in the Lord? Then the last of this chapter, Lot spent his final days. He was the leader in Sodom. He was one of the town leaders in the the most notorious evil city in world history. All of his earthly possessions were destroyed. His credibility was ruined. His sons-in-laws mocked his testimony of knowing the Lord. His wife founded the Morton Salt Company. He became a drunk. His daughters defiled him. And he was the father of the Moabites and the Ammonites. I mean, that is some resume. That is an amazing resume for one scripture describes as righteous and just. And how messed up a believer can get in this world when the direction of the influence is turned inside out. When it's no longer the salt penetrating decay, but instead it's decay contaminating the salt. How can this type of life be prevented? Very simple. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, lay your all on the altar. Surrender, yield, moment by moment. Guard your heart because the enemy is out to get you. And do what Luke 17, 32 says. Luke 17, 32 says, remember Lot's wife. Sir, Remember Lot's wife so that you will be the leader that Lot wasn't. And that won't happen in your sphere of influence. Young person, remember Lot's wife because looking back longingly to the world and to decay and corruption is going to harden you, harden your soul away from God. Yield, follow, submit, repent. Be that salt that God created you to be. And Lord, I'm thankful for your word.